0: If you've got a Bible, you can turn to the book of Joshua. We're going to be diving into that in just a moment. If you haven't uh, been with us, we've just started a series on the book of Joshua last week. If you missed it, you can catch up um, online and we'll be recapping some of that today and getting into the first chapter. Now, before we go to that, I want you to cast your minds back. Melanie's already done that with the notices. You've been reflecting back over your life. You've been a Christian in the last hundred years or so, but remember when you were growing up and you were at home and you had your parents or grandparents around who would be talking to you about things, can you remember the, some of the things they, gave, they told you, some of the commands they gave you, some of the, the things they tried to instill in you as you were growing up and the effect it had on your life? I can remember a few of the ones I had. There was one about saying your pleases and thank yous. That kind of got drummed into me. You say you're pleased and thank you. If someone gives you something, you say thank you. If you want something, you say please. That's part of just kind of good manners and the way that you are trained. Um, I was always taught as well, whenever you went to someone's house, you had to go and say to the host of the house when you were leaving, thank you for having us. That was one of those things that just got, I was drilled. You go and say to them when you're going, when you're leaving a friend's house, My dad would pick it up and say, have you gone and said, thank you for having us. You'd always go to them and say, thank you for having us. Um, Another one was when we were up at the table. It was always, if I wanted to get down from the table and we'd had lunch or tea or, or something like that, it would always be, you have to say, please can I get down? Thank you for the food. Please, can I get down? Please, can I leave the table now? And it would have to wait for the response on that. Another one I know, when we were out, one of the things that I was told to do when you're out in the shops and you're looking at stuff, usually in the toy shops, one thing my mum and dad would particularly say to me was, look with your eyes, not with your fingers. (laughs) And that one would come around a lot. And do you know what? Guess what? Yeah, I said that too. But... I can remember those things and what we're doing is when, you, when you're a, a child and your parents there, they're trying to train you, they're trying to teach you, they're trying to help you and they're giving you things in your life that will cause you to grow. Now they're not looking for blind obedience like we're not dogs, you don't train a child like they're a dog and they want blind obedience, it's built out of something, what's it built out? It's built out of relationships. You want to actually, the, parent and, the child to know that the parent loves them, that the parent is for them, the parent wants the best of them. That's the key to it. And if you ever had children, that's the idea. You want them to know they love, you love them, you're for them. What I'm telling you will help you, will grow you, and will hopefully make good things for you. And now we've got kids, we start doing the same things. One of the things we do with our kids when we're trying to talk to them about something is the first thing we say to them is, Look at me. Look at me so I know I've got your attention. I'm your dad, I'm your mummy, we're talking to you today. So then, you, then the next one is once you're looking at me, then you need to listen to my voice. Listen to what I'm saying, because sometimes they look at you and they're like, oh, looking away. And it's like, look at me, listen to what I'm saying. And the last one is then, then do what I'm asking you to do, whatever it is, whatever we're saying to do. You have to stop them, focus them. And say, listen to me, and then do what I'm telling you to do. And what we're going to look at today in this first part of Joshua is God speaking to Joshua as he kind of begins his leadership of the people of Israel, and he's has been giving them some specific commands born out of relationship. Now, we started Joshua. We're going to roll through the entire book, hopefully wrap up around Easter time next year. We'll have a break for Christmas um, and a few other things Um, And if you know anything about the book of Joshua, it's a very exciting book, lots of great stuff happens in there, lots of the key moments that you know if you know your Bible at all happen in the book of Joshua. The crossing of the River Jordan, the walls of Jericho coming down, meeting of the commander of the army of the Lord, the sun standing still, lots of exciting stuff. It's pretty much the opposite of what we've done in the book of Ruth over the summer, which is very ordinary and down to earth. This is quite a bit more exciting, would make an excellent film. And so we're going to be looking at that. I mentioned a couple of resources last week. If you haven't got them, I put them out in the email. I recommend a good book to read alongside it. Please, if you haven't got this, grab this. And an excellent resource here, which was an illustrated version of the Bible, which takes the text of the Bible and puts a load of uh, visuals behind it, all historically researched, which is a great thing to read just alongside your study. If you haven't got those, grab one of those um, online, the links are there. There's also the video I put out to just give you an idea of the way the book of Joshua fits together. So if you haven't watched that, please do, do that. So in this passage today, we're going to look at two things. There's two particular commands that God gives to Joshua as he begins his leadership of the people of Israel, and we're going to look at those in turn. But first thing, let's read the passage. So that should appear up here. If you haven't got your Bible, I will read it to you. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened, and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. All right, two commands that God gives to Joshua. The first one is arise and go. The second one is be strong and courageous. So we to look at the first one first. Arise and go. Now, recap the story. God promised Abraham way back in Genesis that he would make his descendants like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore. And it also give him the land that Abraham was living in at the time. He was only a kind of a a sojourn. He was traveling around it. But God says, this land you're in, I'm going to give it to you and your descendants. All those descendants you're going to have, this is going to be your land. Abraham never actually saw that. He believed God, it says, and he trusted God, but he never saw her. And this promise is then reiterated to his son Isaac, to his son Jacob, to the 12 sons that came after that, which include Joseph. um famous. We preach about Joseph. And then they went down into the land of Egypt. They multiplied into a great nation, the nation of Israel. They then come out of Israel led by Moses, significant character in the Old Testament. We have the plagues and all that. And then we have the parting of the Red Sea. They then go into the wilderness and then they come to the border of the promised land. So this is the kind of the background what's happened. So you finally got the nation of Israel about to enter the land that was promised way back to Abraham. So you're looking at kind of 500 plus years of history, the growth of the nation. They're now growing to fulfill to God's promises and they're about to kind of get into that. Moses then dies and Joshua is chosen as his successor after which the book is named. We've learned about Joshua. He is a man of war. He is a mighty warrior. He leads God's people into battle. He, so he is courageous in that sense. And Phyllis and willing to go and stand up. The first time we met him, I think it's in the book of Numbers, he was leading God's people into battle against their enemies who are trying to attack them. But he also found out he's a man of God. He's devoted to God. He was devoted to Moses. He was in the presence of God regularly. He said he had the spirit of God. So he's a mighty man in God as well. And he's now... About to lead people into the promised land. And this first five chapters of Joshua is all about preparation. It's all about getting ready to go. And the first part of the preparation is God giving these commands to Joshua that he needs to follow. And the first one is ri- arise and go. You find that in verse 2. And he basically says, he's basically get up, get up, get ready. Don't know if you felt that in this morning. You're lying in bed. First thing you've got to do is get up, get ready to get out into the day and that's what he says to him and he says "I'm going to give you that's your command but i'm going to give you two assurances on it and the first one was his power and the second one is his presence so god says get up go but it's like okay and he says but when you go my power is going to be you, with you and so will my presence i will be with you and the power he says the lord says in verse two i am giving you the land of israel I'm giving it in your hand. He said, I'm going to give it to all these people. So there's a corporate dynamic. Joshua is a leader, he represents them, but actually behind him, you've got possibly as much as a million people about to sort of take this land. And he's saying, All these people, I'm giving this to you. The reason um, behind that, which reveals that, was that it was a gift from God. So it wasn't something they had earned. God is giving them as a gift, something he had promised way back in a- to Abraham. He said, I'm giving you this gift. And he also says that no one is going to stand before you. So I'm going to guarantee you victory. My power will be at work. And as we read through the book, we'll see God's power at work um, in their battles and what they're doing. He's saying, I'm going to Give this land to you. There's my promise that I did all those years ago, I am going to fulfil before your eyes. You're going to see my power demonstrated and displayed. What was promised back to Abraham and all the way through the patriarchs, all the way to Moses, you're going to see it happen. It's going to be you're about to kind of in, um, live through what they've been kind of looking forward to all these years. And I will demonstrate my power before you by just destroying your enemies. No one will be able to stand before you. You are going to have victory. Now, when it comes to, when God says, I'm going to give the land to them, there's a, a tension dynamic that we have to kind of work with, and often we live with in our lives. And the, what's the dynamic? Well, God says, I've given you the land. But had they got the land? No. They, they were still this side of the Jordan. <laughs> there's a big river between them and where they got God says, I've given this land. I'm giving it to you. Go. Get it. So we have this tension of actually God has given it. It is theirs. They have, they have a, the legal right to it, if you will. They're the owners of it in that sense. But actually, they still haven't got it. There still is something they have to do. It's something they've got to work around. They actually have to go and take possession of it. There is an activity they've got to do, which is why it's give, God's given them commands. Get up, go. You want to see my power demonstrated, you need to be moving forward. You can't just sit there and, you know, sit back and expect it to come to you. You have to be active, but I've given it to you. You've got to take it. It's rightfully yours. Well, I was thinking about it. I thought about, um, who's seen Lord of the Rings? Yeah, I felt that from there's a bit. Who's the the character Aragorn? Strider, the ranger. Ladies like him, guys like him, different reasons. But... He's the kind of, wow, well, we, we, kind of, we, we want to root for this guy. But what is he? He's the rightful king. He's the rightful king of Gondor That's why the last one's called Return of the King. He is, he is the heir to the throne. It's your throne. You can go and sit on it. But what's he got to do? He's got to return. He's got to go back to Gondor He's got to claim his right. And right at the end, you can see him. he's got his crown, isn't he? He's been proclaimed the rightful king. And it's no good if he just stayed in the shire or wherever he was wandering around in the wilderness. You had to actually go back, take it. There's something you've got to do, but it's rightfully yours. It's there. No one can take it from you. And that's what God is saying to these people. You've got to go, and I will demonstrate my power because I will give it to you, and I will defeat all your enemies. And even tells you where this is going to happen. Because if you look at verse 4, verse 4 is basically a map. It's a map of words. It's describing an area. He says, Lebanon which represents the kind of northern border of where they're going to go. It talks about the wilderness, which is down in the southern border. It's got the river Euphrates, along with the river Jordan they're going to cross, which forms kind of the eastern border to their territory. And then the Great Sea, which would be the Med, the Mediterranean, that's sort of the western border of their territory. So that's where it is. And the Hittites in this are kind of the people who sort of occupy the land, the part of the people they're going to have to fight and kick out God's enemies. So it says, I'm going to demonstrate my power, but it's going to be in this area. This is where I'm telling you, go, you need to be obedient, you need to rise, go. Go there and you'll see God's power. You'll see my power working out because they're not going to be able to stand against you. It doesn't matter if the cities are fortified. doesn't matter how many there are doesn't matter how good they are at fighting. They're not going to be able to stand against me. So there's, he says, arise and go. Go in my power. But he also says, go in my presence. He says, my presence will go with you. And it's doubly encouraging for Joshua to hear that because what does he say? He says in verse five, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Now this is hugely significant if you reflect on the life of Moses. Moses is one of these characters who had encounters with God and was in the presence of God probably more than any other character in the Old Testament. So you think about those thousands of years of history and how God dealt with his people. Moses had privileges beyond Probably all of them in terms of God's presence and being with God and hearing with God. If we go back to when God called Moses, where was he? He was out a shepherd, hiding. He was on the run. He disappeared from Egypt. And he went out there and we have the burning bush incident. And Moses comes into the presence of God. And God reveals his name to Moses. He says, take your sandals off, you're standing on holy ground. And Moses is like, who are you? He says, well, I am. God reveals his name, I am. I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I'm the God of Israel. And then he gives him a commission to go and lead them. When, he, um, when Moses confronts Pharaoh, he sees the presence of God in in the plagues, in sending that power and actually knowing what's going to happen there. Later we have um, Israel crossing the Red Sea and we have the pillar of fire. That's there, the presence of God, and Moses steps out, and that what happens? The sea is parted and the nation go through. Then we get to the other side, the wilderness, and what happens? The presence of God rests on the top of Mount Sinai. And what does Moses get to do? Go up the mountain. Into the Everyone else has to stand down and is falling back in terror at the presence of God. And God says to Moses, you can come up. You can come into my presence. He receives the law that he then takes back to his people is one point where it says he comes down the mountain and he was shining, he was glowing because of the presence of God was on him to the point where they had to cover him up a bit because you couldn't look at him because it was a bit bright to stare at, we we'll would have to just cover your face for a little while. It says, um, he goes into the tabernacle. When they built the tabernacle and the presence was God there, Moses got to go into the tabernacle. He got to engage with God. And there's one point in Exodus 33 where it says, he spoke to God. Moses spoke to God face to face as one talks to his friend. He was a friend of God and he got to speak to him face to face. He got to experience that. And then Joshua's standing there, and Joshua was alongside him for a lot of this thing, witnessed this, heard about this thing, and God says to him, I will be with you like I will be with Moses. Which you think at the time would probably have been the best thing God could have said to him. Don't worry, I will be with you just like I was with Moses. If I was Joshua, I'd be like, oh my goodness, that is good news. How amazing is that, the presence of God will be with me. And that idea of God being with us is something that was um, carried back through the patriarchs who made, it, made the same promises to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, etc. But there's the fact that God's presence we've been in. So he says, get up, go. First command, you've got to go. My power will be with you. I will be with you by my presence and you will succeed against your enemies. What's the second thing he gives him? The second command. Now this one appears three times. You should have picked it up as we read the passage. What's the phrase that appears three times? Be strong. And courageous. It's what Josh, one of the things Joshua's known for. It's one of those phrases that comes out. And everyone thinks, oh yeah, I know that's from Joshua. It means determined. It means be unwavering. Be focused in what you're doing. Be relentless. Do not stop for any, t- any point. And if you're going into... The, the land, you're going to take the land, and there's going to be enemies. You have to be strong. You have to be courageous. You have to go on for it. And he actually particularly makes a point to Joshua, who actually is, you need to be strong and courageous because you are going to lead my people into that land. God uses people to accomplish his purposes. And actually, as an individual, as the leader of God's people representing he had to be strong and courageous so he could lead people into. What God had called them to into their inheritance. So there was a particular thing on Him. Now, the big question as we do this, kind of as we process this, is what does that mean? Be strong and courageous. Because if you think about the context, the easy place to jump to, especially if you're a guy and you like action films like me, is like you're strong and courageous means you've got to go and fight. You've got to be strong and courageous to fight haven't you pick up your weapons that have had swords or spears and shields that kind of idea you've got to, do that. You've got to go you're going into an enemy held land even though God's giving it to you the enemy are there and guess what they're going to object to your presence and they're going to come out and fight you so you have to be strong and you have to go into battle and you have to be like freedom you know whatever it is and go and give it to them you know that's what it means but actually if we read the context that's not what he means that's not what God is calling Joshua to. Be. In fact, in the context, it only actually means one thing. If you actually read the verses, it only means one thing. When God tells Joshua to be strong and courageous, it's only in reference to one thing, which is what? God's word. The law. It says be strong and courageous in keeping the law. Keeping the law is going to be the key to Joshua's success. And... That's what he's going to do about it. He's saying, actually, you're going to represent the people. You're going to lead them into the land, and you need to be focused on my word. You need to be strong and courageous in keeping my word, in understanding my word, in, in reading the law that I've given to Moses and now been handed down to you. You need to take that on. You can't ignore that. That's what you're going to do. That is going to dictate whether you are victorious in the land or not, or it ends in failure. That if you must keep the law. And he goes on about it. If we look, read for sort of verse 7 onwards, what does he say? He says, be careful to do all that is written down in the law. Do not deviate from it. So which side? Don't deviate left. Don't deviate right. You must follow it totally and completely. You can't add to it. You can't ignore bits of it. You can't take the bits you like, the bits of the paddle, You must focus on all of it and read all of it, and understand all of it, and follow it completely to the letter. That's what he's saying. And he says, actually, you're to meditate on it. How often are you to meditate on it? What does it say? Day and night. Well, that sort of covers most bases, doesn't it? Day and night, you have to think about it all the time. Which The idea is it's constantly before you. You don't get to let it out of your sight. You don't get to let it out of your mind. You don't get to ignore it and put it on there. It doesn't become a Sunday thing. On Sunday, you can take my law seriously, but the rest of the time, that's yours. No, day and night, all day, all night, you need to be focused on it. And it talks about this idea of meditating. And what was meditating? Well, meditating was focusing on who God was, what God had done, and what God kind of had promised. So there was very much a focus on God. But he also says something quite interesting. Where should this law not depart from? His Mouth. His mouth. Well, that's interesting. You might have said, I might have said, don't let it depart from your heart or maybe your mind. But actually, God chose to say, don't let this depart from your mouth, which means there is a spoken element to God's word. It needs to be proclaimed. It needs to be talked about. It needs to be shared. It needs to be taught. You need to be thinking about this and then speaking it out. It's not something that stays hidden and stays behind. He says, no, the word of the Lord shouldn't depart from your mouth. So you means you need to be speaking it to the people. They need to be hearing it. They need to be understanding it. It needs to be going forth amongst God's people. So everyone's kind of connecting with it. And then everyone else in turn, if they're doing it, then the community of God's people are studying and understanding and talking about God's word. And he says, you must be careful to obey everything that's written down in the law. That means you need to take it seriously. You need to go through it all. You can't skim it. You have to focus on it. You have to study it. It will take time and energy and effort to understand all of it and then communicate it to others. The fact that it's written down, it even since it's written, which kind of gives it a degree of permanence. If it's written down, everyone can read it. Everyone knows what it says. You can't get changed then when it's written down. It's a, sort of a, a permanent record. And this is key when you think about what's happened in the recent history talked about this last week, they came out of Egypt, the nation uh, of Israel, they have been set free, God God had kind of got his people out, Moses was leading them, he took them to the promised land, but what happened first time round? They failed, because through disobedience they didn't make it into the promised land, they didn't gain their inheritance that first generation that had seen some of the most famous acts in the bible the plagues the parting of the red sea god's presence on sinai the giving of the law some of the most significant things in the life of that people group they saw all that they got to the promised land they sent the spies into the promised land go check it out reconnaissance that's normal go do the recon and then we'll go and take the land that God has promised us they came back and said they're far too big they're far too strong and the people just ignored God's word they said no we won't listen to God even though he said we can have that and in and through their disobedience it says, what happened they all died in the wilderness none of them saw their inheritance 2, Joshua and Caleb but the rest that whole generation died out why disobedience they didn't They didn't follow God. They didn't follow what God had said to them. They chose to go their own way. And as a result, that whole generation was gone. And now God is speaking to Joshua as one of the two survivors from that entire generation. He's saying, be strong and courageous in following my law, following my word, what I'm speaking to you. And for us, we need to be people who, when we read God's word, we need to be strong and courageous in following it. In understanding it, in studying it, in listening to it, in obeying it. Because what happens straight after that? Once he's obeyed God's word, what does he say will happen? I will bring you success. I will bring you success. If you do that, God's presence is with you. I'm demonstrating my power. You're following my word. There will be success. um, In my translation, it says it will be prosperous. And it'll be successful. And the idea of that isn't, we might immediately think, oh, money, financial. No, no he, he's talking about um, God's presence in your life. He's got activity in life, growing in wisdom and understanding of God. And, and having success following God's law, those kind of things. So if you follow it, you will have success in all that God has called you to, which for them was taking the land. And so actually if you focus on obedience and you're going to do it and you're strong and courageous in that, you're going to see my hand at work. You're going to see my power demonstrated. You're going to see the promises fulfilled in your life. You're going to see that success and so what Joshua would do he'd be strong and courageous he needs to study the law he needs to focus on the law he needs to follow it and as a result he would see God's power at work and he would see the promises fulfilled in his life and he would see the land taken and God's enemy defeated and things that were promised hundreds of years ago he would literally he would walk into them what men and women had looked for and were desperate and said God bring it about Joshua and his people have got the promise of doing it if they obey the law And they will grow in wisdom in the process and they'll grow in success in God in what they're doing. And the final part there, there's an encouragement there at the end where it says actually be strong and courageous again and in doing what you do my presence will be with you and it will be a success and you will succeed in all that you're going to do. And so even before they go God is preparing him for what comes you need to get up, you need to get ready. I'm with you, we're going. But in that process, you need to be diligent in the study and understanding of my law as we go and take the promised land. All right, a few bits of application and then we will finish on this first part of Joshua. First one, we're always going to end up here. Jesus is a better Joshua. Jesus is a better. The entire New Test- Old Testament points forward to someone greater than it's written about and that person is always Jesus we talked about this last week, but actually there are certain characters in the, the, New, the Old Testament who are types, who particularly point forward to Jesus. And Joshua serves as a type of Jesus. His actions kind of point forward. Uh, but Jesus is better than Joshua. What did Jesus do? Jesus was sent forth from heaven to earth. He came in the power of God and the presence of God was with him right from the moment of his conception and then he was filled with the Holy Spirit we see at his baptism. He demonstrated the power of God in his ministry, didn't he? Completely. He had power over sickness and he had power over sin. He even had power over death and the demonic and all that. that meant. Jesus demonstrated God's power perfectly. What about the law? He knew God's law perfectly. What happened when the devil came to tempt him? He quoted... It is written. Do you know which book he quoted from each three times? Deuteronomy. The one that's just preceded Joshua. When Jesus quoted, he quoted Deuteronomy which was the restating of the law. When he, all three of those ones in Luke. It is written. It's Deuteronomy he is quoting. He knew God's law perfectly. When he was a young man, a teenager, where did they find him? In the temple. And what was he doing? Running circles around the teachers of the law because of what he knew of God's word. Completely, perfectly. And he proclaimed it relentlessly. What did it say in the beginning of the gospel? Jesus came and he basically proclaimed, repent, the kingdom of God is at hand. And he went round through their villages teaching and proclaiming God's news, good news to everyone who would listen. And he followed God fearlessly, didn't he? In the face of opposition, In the face of rejection, in the face of betrayal, even in his own murder and execution, he followed God faithfully. He was strong and courageous to the end. Jesus is a better Joshua. He points it forward for us and he leads his people into the promised land that will be our inheritance in eternity. But what about for us living here now? What are we going to do? We set our eyes on Jesus. But for us here and now, the first thing we need to take away is we've been sent with God's power and authority. Jesus' power and authority is on us as his people. What does it say at the end of Matthew 28? It says this. And Jesus came to and said to them, that's his followers, his disciples, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. This sounds familiar. Go, therefore, And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then what to do? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Basically, a summary of what we just read there in Joshua 1. You go, you go in my power, you go in my authority. My presence is going to be with you. And what do you do? You teach people everything that I've commanded you. All my word or my law would be the ultimate word, that law. You teach them. And you make disciples of all nations in the process. As, follow, as Jesus follows in the church, we've been sent, told to get up and go in the power and the authority of God. And he will be with us all. So whatever your situation is coming, as you leave this building, as you get up tomorrow and go to kind of what sort of life look like, work, kind of employment, kids, whatever it is. You go in the power and the authority of Jesus. And you go with the presence of God. When you're going into your workplace or you're taking your kids to school or whatever it is, that thing you do, you need to say to yourself, when I go, I am going with the presence of God. I don't go alone. He said, I will be with you. The presence of God that was promised to Joshua, we have it better because we actually have the Holy Spirit with us, in us, transforming us all the time. So whatever you go tomorrow and you get up and you're entering, getting in the car, getting on the train, whatever it is, going to the office building, dragging the kids to the playground, and there's just mayhem going on. God is with me. God is with me and he has sent me to this place to be his presence here. I go in his power and authority that I can speak out against injustice. I can show love and compassion. I can pray for the sick. I can stand up against you know, lies of the enemy that would come against it. I can just love on the people around me. I can be the best of who I'm going to be because God is with me and transforming me. That's what we live like. And so what God spoke to Joshua, he's telling us today, go, go into wherever it is you go tomorrow and go in the grace and the power of God. And we're to bring comfort, and we're to bring strength, and we're to bring love, and we're to bring words of hope and encouragement into that situation, and we're to be active. And whatever God's called you to be in that place, whatever your role is, whatever your job title is, what he's called you for that moment in that place to be, you know that with God's with you, you can have Success. God's with you, you can make a difference in that place. You're not alone. Even if you think, I'm the only Christian in this school, in this com- company, in this environment. God is with you. We've also got the Alpha Course coming up, which is another place to actually be active in that, in communicating. Is there someone you need to invite? you need to be kind of bold and courageous in there and thinking, actually, I'm just going to ask people? You always hear these crazy stories of people just ask someone and guess what? They come along and God does something in crazy his life. God be, I think God's going to speak to some of you tomorrow, even today, even now, about things he's going to ask you to do. He's going to ask you to do it. And there might be small things, there might be big things. But actually he's going to be putting them on your heart. And if you have, write them down, do something, take something with them, tell someone, say I'm going to go do this. And react to it of what God's doing. and saying get up, go, and do it knowing that he is with you. His presence is on you. His power is with you. You are going to be successful in the kingdom by following and honoring him. Last one. We are to take the study of God's word seriously. So we've been sent but we've also got to be men and women who study. God's word, what I mean? God's word, I mean the Bible, God's written word to us that he a it, and if we consider what God said to Joshua about being strong and courageous in what? In the study of his word, in understanding it, and then obeying it, knowing it, working it through. And I have to ask you a challenging question here. Are you taking God's word seriously? And there's multiple facets of that question. Are you taking it seriously in the fact that you're actually... Looking at it, reading it, making it part of your life. It's part of your spiritual diet, part of your spiritual disciplines. as a daily reading of God's Word, trying to understand it, trying to get into it. The second part of the question is, are you taking it seriously? Because when you do read it, are you reacting to it? Are you doing what it said? Or are you just kind of read the chapter for the day and it goes in one ear, out the other. You close the Bible, you walk out the door and think, well, I've, I'll knock that off my to-do list, done that. But is it letting you, is it actually provoking you, is it changing you is it transforming you because that's what we've been called to be, because when God says be strong and courageous, in doing what it says in reading it in understanding it and then reacting to it confession of sin, proclaiming the good news, standing up for injustice and righteousness, standing up for what God says about certain things, some of the stuff isn't very palatable in this culture, but actually guess what, he's right culture's wrong If anything contradicts God's word, God's word wins. And we need to be strong and courageous in holding that up. But that only comes from actually understanding and knowing the Bible, knowing what it is. We've kind of started looking through Joshua now. We've encouraged you. There's a few tools, a few resources, a books you can take to read it. I know in our life group just last week, we went around the table and we, uh, we sort of talked about, we're going to read Joshua. How are we going to do it? Well, I'm going to do it this way. I'm going to do it this way. I want to try it like this. Here's what I'm going to learn. And we've started talking about it. I'm sure we'll come back to it this week. What are you doing to take God's word seriously? What are you doing to take God's word seriously? Because it's not an option not to. If you're a Christian and you love Jesus and you're following Jesus, you cannot do it without his word. You cannot do it without study of his word, understanding of his word, listening to his word, reading his word, talking about it with others. That's just the way God designed it and we have to take it seriously. And so I want to challenge you. What are you doing being strong and courageous in in studying God's word, in looking at it? because that's what we're going out to. If you are stuck on this, grab someone in your life group and say, help me out on this. How can I go about this? Grab some of our resources we're giving to you. Find help. Talk about it. And from that, you'll get better. Do you want to stand up? We're going to finish. I'm just going to pray to sort of end. Can you want to just close your eyes? And I'll just lead you in a moment of prayer. All right. Holy Spirit of God, we thank you that you've been here with us. We thank you that your presence dwells in us as a people. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the promise that we read about to Joshua actually comes to us as well in Christ. Not because we're special or better than anyone else, but you have chosen to dwell in us. You've chosen to save us, you've chosen to forgive us, you've chosen to bring us into your people. And we want to say we love you and we praise you for that, Lord. And Lord, as we kind of look to going from this place... And all of that means, Lord God, Lord God, I just want, Holy Spirit, would you fill us that we would know that you are with us as we go. We would know, kind of, yes, we'd know because we've read it, but also we'd have that sense of your presence with us, that we go in your power and your authority. Lord, I ask you to give us grace to get up and go, to go into the places we live, our homes, our workplaces, our neighbors, and we say, we are going here In the name of Jesus. And we go with your power and presence. And we are here to be a positive influence. To proclaim your good news. To show love and grace to those around us. To minister to the hurting and the broken and the lost. To draw them in. To demonstrate something of your kingdom. By how we act. How we talk. How we do business. How we parent. All those kind of things. How we're friends and husbands and wives. Lord God. Would you do that in us, Lord? And I pray you put in us, I ask, you put in us a hunger for your word. That we would be men and women of the word who would take that seriously. Who would take the the reading and the study of your word. It's not easy. Sometimes it's hard. Don't understand it. What's going on? I don't know what that bit means. That's kind of funny. How does that apply today? But we need to take courage in that. And we need to be strong in that. And we need not to bend in that. And there's so many things vying for our time and attention, chores and jobs and internet and social media and telly that we can just waste hours on. When actually, God, you're calling us to something deeper and more meaningful in your word. I felt prompted in what what I shared at the beginning about how we speak to our kids. And I feel I just want to pray that for you. The first one is we say to them, look at me, which is an act of worship for us. Look at the face of God. Which we're gonna do now. We're gonna look at God. And we're gonna put our eyes on Him. And I felt God saying to us, look at me, look at my face. And the next thing we say to them is say, Listen to my voice. Listen to what I'm saying. And I just, God, I ask you to give us ears to hear your word to us today. That you would speak to us that as we look at you, you would minister to us wherever we are. You know our situations, you know what's going on in our lives. And the last thing we say to them is do what you're told. Do what I tell you. And Lord God, we want to say we want to be an obedient people who hear your word, who take it seriously, who are strong and courageous, and that manifests in obedience. If you've read any more of Joshua, you know what he does. He gets up and he goes. And he is strong and courageous in holding on to God's work. He does it. He obeys the commands. And you, you read about the results and the amazing things that happen. And Lord Jesus, I pray you make us those people who arise, who go before you, and we are strong and courageous in your word, reading, studying, following your word. And Lord, out of that, God, I ask you grant us success in you, not as the world sees it, but in you in seeing your kingdom come, in seeing the poor fed and the hurt brought into a family and the lost found and the unloved loved by us. Lord Jesus, we pray you cause us to grow and multiply as a people, that more and more, men and women, we thank you for the two young people who gave their lives to you. God, we want to see more of that as your kingdom grows and your name is renowned in this land. And God's people say, amen.